welcome to Dutch Wine Apprentice, the podcast. The following podcast is an integral recording of our talk show, Seller Talks. This show was broadcasted through Instagram Live on our Instagram page. For this reason, there might be references of images shown in the show and the audio quality is affected. The full video recording of this show can be watched through our Instagram page in the IGTV section. Welcome to Dutch Wine Apprentice, the podcast. The following podcast is an integral recording of our talk show, Seller Talks. This show was broadcasted through Instagram Live on our Instagram page. For this reason, there might be references of images shown in the show and the audio quality is affected. The full recording of this show can be watched through our Instagram page in the IGTV section. This edition of Seller Talks, Season 1, Episode 2, was broadcasted on Friday the 18th of December 2020. In this episode, we welcome Vanessa Price, the author of the best-selling book Big Macs and Burgundy. Big Macs and Burgundy is one of the most recent best-selling books on food and wine pairing. In the show, we've discussed Vanessa's career, food and wine pairing, and of course, Big Macs and Burgundy. Hello everyone, um, welcome to today's second episode of uh, Seller Talks and we're going to talk to uh, Vanessa Price and she'll be joining us in a couple of minutes. So please stay tuned and um, let's wait for Vanessa. Somebody's asking where's the wine? So yes, there is wine, obviously, although there is no tasting today, but we do have wine as it's supposed to be when we're talking about uh, wine and food in this case. Hey, Vanessa. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. What about you? Very well, thank you. Good. Happy that you could join us. It's the afternoon right now there. Yes, my pleasure. Uh, very good, good, good. Um, well, we wanted to have a chat uh, about, uh, first of all, about the book, but especially also about you. Um, because there's a lot more to it than just a book, uh, obviously. You have quite a background, so um, maybe we can uh, start with uh, a quick introduction from your side. I mean, I saw that you have been in, uh, well, in and around New York for 13 years now, almost, or about. So maybe you can tell some people. I mean, there are not some people in the audience that know you, or at least have read the books, but some of the other ones that they didn't know uh, anything about you. So maybe it will be good to do a, a quick introduction there first. Sure. Um, well, I'm Vanessa. Um, I've been in wine the, the better part of my life, I guess, at this point. Um, I grew up in the southern part of the United States in a place called Kentucky. <laughs> maybe, maybe sounds familiar, maybe not. Um, I did not grow up with wine. It wasn't something that was a part of like my culture growing up or anything like that, um, really not, not drinking at all. But um, when I got older and was in college, I actually ended up working at a winery just as a, a college job, right? It was just something to, you know, pay the rent and have mm -hmm. a little bit of, uh, you know, moving around money and um, ended up falling in love with it and decided that was what I wanted to make my career out of, even though I wasn't really quite sure what that meant at the time. And um, went from working at, um, you know, I 
when I was in New York, I, uh, in the city, I should say, worked as a SOM. I uh, worked in wine education. I worked in for PR and marketing specifically, you know, with wine companies. I worked as an importer. I worked as a distributor um, and then ended up writing about wine. I had a column in New York Magazine for two years, which is what ended up becoming the book. And uh, now I'm developing a hotel restaurant project out in Montauk in the Hamptons in Long Island. And um, yeah, happy to be here chatting with you. Oh, that's great to hear. Um, if you talk about knowledge about wine, you, you've done quite a lot of different things, as you just said. So you, you know about uh, selling the wine, tasting the wine, the restaurant side of the of the wine business, but also uh, uh, talking about uh, private collectors. I mean, I saw on the website side that you also uh, do uh, advise on, on private collections, etc. So um, all these different facets about wine. And then at some point you start the column, which then became the book. Can you tell us a little bit about the column? Because, uh, well, you don't have the traditional, well, if there even is a traditional background in terms of wine education. In the end, you, you did the WSAT and you, you're a diploma yes. uh, graduate as well. And you yes. do teach uh, yes. as well, but later maybe a little bit more about that. But yes. the column, how did that start? So the column was, um, the, so, I, you know, I... I guess I like to do things the difficult way in life. I never do them the easy way. Um, I had actually back in 2014 decided that I had an idea for a book and I wanted to write a book. And at the time, my sister was living with me in New York City. She was a journalism major. I knew very little about writing. Um, I was a philosophy major who went into wine. So <laughs> not the most, Different you know, side. not the... Um, you know, not, not quite as, uh, as strong as her with the mighty pen. And, um, you know, I sort of said, I'm going to write this thing. Would you help me uh, craft and edit it? And she said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so, you know, we wrote a book. And then, um, and then I thought, okay, so now what do I do? <laughs> I had no idea. Um, and I was very fortunate that uh, a good friend and upstairs neighbor in my building, because my apartment building I've been in for 14 years, which is kind of crazy in New York City, um, and, um, I, you know, he's big in the publishing world, worked for Vanity Fair, New York Times, all that good mm -hmm. stuff. And um, I, I sort of went upstairs and said, okay, I wrote this book. How do I get it published? And he went, are you out of your mind? That's not, that's not, how, that's not how it works. It's like, slow down, grasshopper. And so, um, you know, he was like, you need bylines. And I went, oh, okay, well, what's a byline? I don't know. And um, he said, all right, well, here, I'm going to help you. And he was very kind and sort of teaching me um, – how to craft a pitch, how to come up with ideas to send to publications and say, hey, these are the ideas that I have in wine that I want to talk about. And um, one of them that I sent to New York Magazine was um, talking about pairing wine with everyday foods instead of the foods that we traditionally think of, which is either like, you know, very fancy sort of, you know, white tablecloth or, you know, your traditional charcuterie meat and cheese plates. And they thought that was really interesting. So we actually just did one. It was just, it was an order for one piece. Mm -hmm. It was, it was set to run. I think that was like fall of 2017. And it ended up doing so well. They said, hey, would you write another win? And so I did another win. And, and I guess they were just performing really well. And before I knew it, um, they were weekly. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then um, that sort of turned into, I had publishers reaching out to me and saying, hey, would you be interested in turning this column into a book? Which is ironic. So I wrote a book to write a book. So maybe one day I'll write the book. <laughs> <laughs> about, about how you ended up writing the book. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's how it came to be. I'm very fortunate. And, you know, it was a lot of, it's very 
mind boggling for me actually to see how much people seem to resonate with this idea of drinking wine, talking about serious wine, right? Not just talking about like, mm -hmm. you know, plunk or, you know, uh, very like commercial grade sort of stuff, but talking about like, you know, serious wines, yeah. but talking about them with everyday foods. I, I thought it would be something that would sort of be laughed off, but I think yeah. that a lot of people identified with it because the reality is, you know, even if you have access to three-star Michelin meals or whatever it may be, it's still not what you're doing every night, right? No. But we, we, we love wine. And I think specifically for Americans, um, this idea of integrating wine into our everyday life is still something that's being processed, you know? Yeah. So um, we sort of see wine as like having a very specific place. And so I think a lot of people just enjoyed the idea of sort of getting permission, if you will, of like, okay, you know, I really like this snack food or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's I okay, it's with okay it. to do it. That yeah. doesn't make me like, you know, yeah. lowbrow or silly or whatever it may be. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's a good uh, way of thinking. Um, I think you do see that it it becomes too more accessible for people. Actually, that's one of the things uh, when you talk about um, um, translating complexity of wine for people in the, all around the world, it's a difficult thing because at some point, most people start up drinking a, a glass of wine. They like one kind of wine, they stick with it and mm -hmm. they don't really try to experiment. Branch out, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dangerous and you don't know what to do. You're afraid you do, you're doing things wrong. But in the end, there is, if you look at the, let's say some basic ground rules, there is not much you can do wrong. I mean, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the process behind it, because if I look, if I go into the book, the first part is obviously a bit theoretical, but in a playful manner. But mm -hmm. after that, it becomes very, uh, let's say, approachable. Um, but there are some ground rules in terms of what do you have to look for and, and when is something a hit and when isn't, a, isn't it a hit. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that as well. Sure. So, the bearing, yeah. you know, I think that the, the thing that I, in my opinion, often gets lost when people are starting to get into wine and, you know, let's say someone says, oh, what do you think about this wine? They think they have to come up with some tasting note that's like, um, you know, mineral driven salinity on the nose with ripe lemon and lime citrus, uh, you yeah. know, a textural palette with blah, 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 you know, and they sort of paint this fanciful picture. And the thing is, all of that is legitimate, right? Like yeah. if you can write a tasting note like that, that's absolutely legitimate, but that's very nuanced and it's very subjective. When it comes to saying, okay, I like this wine, I don't like this wine, or how will this wine interact with this food? There's really four elements of wine that are the most important, they're the fundamentals that it's like, it's really important mm -hmm. to sort of go, okay, let me make those stick. And for wine, those are sugar, acid, alcohol and tannin. And if you can understand how each of those elements interact with your palate, the sensations that it gives you, um, and then if you can understand how each of those four elements interact with the tastings that we have, that, that, our, that our palates can perceive for food, which are sweet, sour, salty, and bitter, mm -hmm. um, and uh, umami, excuse me. Um, and I add spicy and fatty, which uh, some scientists would agree, some wouldn't, but I think uh -huh. in terms of food, you know, they have relevance. Um, and if you can start to understand how those elements interplay with one another, um, it really sort of opens everything up, right? And then it doesn't matter if you're talking about, um, you know, some 
simple Twinkie or you're talking about yeah. some decadent, you know, 5,000, you know, step dessert, it, it, you know, the same principles apply. Yeah. And, and, and maybe if you uh, stop thinking about it in a difficult way, it uh, opens up your mind and you do start to try out new mm -hmm. things. I mean, the, there are some standard pairings to what everybody um, would uh, basically uh, go for if they have a little bit of an understanding about what works. But there, are, there might be some very different uh, things that also work. And uh, maybe to that point, uh, my last guest was a winemaker from Piemonte. And um, I always ask somebody, uh, I always ask my guest, do you have a question for the next guest in the show? So I asked him, um, if Vanessa is on the show next week, what do you want to ask? And he said, well, listen, this is what it is. I'm from Piemonte and we like truffles. I mean, there's truffles everywhere, especially now. It's a big thing. So normally what you do, and this is also one of the things that I always keep in mind, if you want to pair food with wine, try to go for something local because uh, with the same elements of nature, mm -hmm. typically a lot of times it's, it, it works pretty well. So if you go for pairing for truffles, you would say, okay, there are some good wines in Piemonte. It's easy to pair them. But his question actually would be for you. If you would want to pair these truffles, but you, you're not allowed to pair it with an Italian wine from Piemonte, but let's okay. say a wine from Burgundy, what would you go for and why would you uh, why would that be your choice? Because, yeah, it could come up, end up with something very different, maybe. Wait, case. did you say I can't pair it with Burgundy? Or no, you're not allowed, no, you're not allowed to oh, pair no, it with an Italian wine from Piemonte. I would go to Burgundy but, if I can't no, be in Piedmont. <laughs> no, 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 you're allowed to do that. So in that case, you're, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, so for me, you know, so you think about um, truffles. Right. And, and, and I think we're, are we talking about white truffles or black yeah. truffles? Yeah, white truffles. Yeah. White truffles. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about something that is quite aromatic, right? P mm -hmm. Borderline pungent, depending upon on the, the specific truffle. Um, and so you need something that has that same sort of, you know, aromatic perfume to be able to, to withstand, right? Because mm -hmm. if the truffle is just so overpowering to the wine, um, then you only there's, have there's no pairing there, yeah. right? But by the other token, truffles on the palate, the flavor is very intense, but the texture is very nuanced, right? So you can't have a wine that's just so heavy handed, like, you know, you think about like big Cabernets or Zinfandels or Syrahs, mm -hmm. these wines almost become too much, right? And so the thing that's sort of beautiful about like the classic pairing of um, Barolo Barbaresco um, for truffles yeah. is that it's, a, it's this monovarietal, right? It's, it's, it's Nebbiolo. Mm -hmm. It has such a beautiful layered bouquet nose um, and the, the, certainly the palate has structure and it has power, but it also has nuance between the tannic and the acidic structures. So, you know, if I was leaving Piedmont, I would go to Burgundy because you have mm -hmm. the same thing, right? With your, with your monovarietal again, um, the same, you, a, a lighter tannic structure, but similar acidic structure. Um, but again, a very bouquet perfume nose that leans towards the earthy side of things, mm -hmm. right? Which sort of complements the truffle. Um, but if I was going to leave both of those, I would still stay monovarietal. I might try to find something from maybe like Roberto del Duero, something mm -hmm. that's like almost solely based on Tempranillo um, so that we have those same sort of elements at play. But I would be hesitant because I don't want the fruit to be too ripe. Yeah. Um, so I would have to think about that one. 
Yeah, but you're giving some good directions. I mean, and it, it, it wasn't an exercise. It's just a question that popped up. But I think the way you're describing it, it opens up also um, the way. You oh, know, yeah. Someone said Adrio. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Or Pinot. Yeah, maybe Dundee Pinots I could see. Um, I'm just, I'm always hesitant with new world wines and, and mm -hmm. truffles just because the, 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 the fruit characteristic tends to yeah. overpower. But it's but more than in the old world exception. wines, right? Yeah. yeah, for truffles specifically, you know, I just think that, that you don't want too much fruit. Um, you need something that's pushing more towards earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, I get you. Yeah. Uh, uh. So my uh, opinion, anyways, uh, you know, the, and this is the thing I, and I say it in the book because everybody's like, oh, so you, you're like, you know, you're telling people how to pair and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just giving you my opinion. It's, and, a, it's, you know, it's your direction. Yeah. yeah, it's just my opinion. That's all it is. You know, you can toss it all out the window if you completely disagree. Um, but, you know, I, the, the, the example that I always give is um, Eric Repair, famed chef of Le Bernardin, you know, named mm -hmm. greatest restaurant in the world year after year. Three-star Michelin chef, arguably one of the, you know, you could say one of the greatest palates in the world, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he has a saying, Bordeaux of F2, meaning, you know, Bordeaux with everything. He'll, he'll drink red Bordeaux and oysters. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which to me, because he likes awful. it, <laughs> but he loves it. And yeah. so, you know, if he's given himself permission to pair what what makes sense to him and what pleases his palate, then that's certainly yeah. how it should be for anyone else. Yeah, it's, it's also uh, I saw also in your book, you're making a point about bring your own wine at some point. Oh, uh, yes. I think it's actually actually a good thing because, um, OK, there are enough restaurants with a good wine list, etc. But even then, if there is a good wine list, you will also have your own preferences. Why shouldn't people not be allowed or be afraid to bring that wine that they like, that special occasion wine or something that brings them back to a memory that they had in the past. So I'm happy to see that you also address in the book uh, this topic because yeah, people are you know, a bit afraid about it. It's one of those things where I think that, first of all, it just doesn't occur to people that aren't in the industry. I mean, certainly before I was in the industry, it never would have occurred to me. Yeah. But I do think it's important to say, um, you know, this one, I actually, um, it was a conversation. I decided to do that one sort of like an interview with um, a, a song friend that I really respect and admire, Matthew Conway, who's been the beverage director at um, Mark Forgione in, in New York City for, for a decade now. Um, there are ways to do it right, and there are ways to do it wrong. And you mm -hmm. have to respect the restaurant that you're going yep. to. And there's there's a, you know, I don't want to say rules in the sense of you know of course rules are meant to be broken but there is a certain amount of respect involved that's also etiquette maybe even yeah you know. so i would just say like make sure you're doing it the right way the respectful yeah. way but certainly it's something to to consider uh doing for a meal yeah i'm a big fan very good well uh, talking about the title of the book uh, it says a lot already big max and burgundy uh, i think it's a good choice because there's a lot of books about wine and food in the world um there's also there's even a lot of books about wine in the world so uh, at some point what makes a book different than others it starts obviously with the title and with uh, with the cover um if you look at it uh, big max and burgundy it's something it raises eyebrows but it also uh, <laughs> provocates uh, a little bit which is maybe i think 
how you are as a person as well. You're not afraid to 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 take it, make a choice, and and stand for it. So I'm happy that you uh, you took it. It says uh, wine pairings for the real world, which it is, and you go from left to right, from breakfast to late night snack. So there is something in the book for everybody, for every moment. I would say there's healthy foods. There's yeah. there's sal. There's a whole chapter on pairing salads. Like that's the thing. I've I've had so many people sort of say like you know, oh, the American promoting junk food. And it's like, well, hang on a second. If you actually read the book, yeah, I say, yeah. I don't think that this is how we should eat every day, every meal, yeah. you know, and part of everyday foods is eating healthy. So I also, there's a whole chapter on pairing healthy yeah. food. There's a whole chapter on pairing salads. There's a whole chat. There's a whole breakout section on healthy snacks. Um, because again, that's part of everyday foods too, right? Everyday foods aren't just junk foods. Um, and so I, you know, I tried with the book to sort of run the gamut. Plus it's, uh, uh, full of stories, personal mm -hmm. experiences, stories that you, yep. uh, build up in the past. So it's a, a personal, also a very personal book to you, uh, when, it it, when you start reading it. So I think that's also, if you, uh, most books are written, uh, by somebody who's far away as a writer from the actual story that they want to tell. I mean, it's more theoretical approach, especially when it comes to food wine pairing. There is this that goes with that. It's very clinical. Uh, it's written in a clinical way, but that's never the case with whatever you write, it seems, because it's always, there's always a good story behind it. There's always a personal uh, notes and experience in it. So yeah, that's happy. I'm happy to, uh, to see that, that there are actually books being written that do uh, work in that way yeah you know I, i've had a lot of questions of where i come from there's not a lot of people that 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 go into this industry and it occurred to me that i think there's a lot of like mystery around mm -hmm. people in the yeah. in the wine business and so um you know i i decided and also i didn't think that it would be interesting for anyone to just read 300 pages of this food and this wine and this food and this yeah. wine and this food and this wine you know it gets a bit monotonous so i thought you know it might be a fun way to sort of break it up and share um you know some personal stories and and you know as you can see if you read it some of it's very glamorous and everything you think it might be and some of it is not glamorous at all <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah but, the, but, but that's what breaks up the story a little bit and uh, you can just pick it up and read a part and then put it back and the next morning you pick it up again and it's basically a different story you're reading. It's not, it's not like, okay, one uh, front to cover. Uh, there's all different parts that make sense. Uh, yeah, I was, I was very inspired. I don't know if you've ever read, um, I was told there'd be cake by Sloan nope. Crossley. <gasps> Put it on the list. Okay, uh, good. New York Times bestseller, Times a gajillion probably. Um, and she, she's just such a phenomenal writer. And I'm not saying, let me make it clear. I'm not mm -hmm. saying I'm nearly as good a writer as Sloan, but she was the inspiration. Um, I was told there'd be cake is basically um, experiences of her life as, as a writer in New York City, um, mm -hmm. but it's little vignettes, right? You drop in and out, in and yep. out, in and out. It, and they're not necessarily time sequential. They kind of are, but not really. Um, but you're dropping in and out. So you can really sort of, um, you know, enjoy that chapter and then the next chapter is a whole new experience and so that was that was kind of the idea was that uh more than the narratives following an overall arc which they kind yeah. of do they go from starting in the business to where i am now they're more tied to the theme of um the chapter itself right so whatever that chapter's foods yeah. are that's more what the narrative is tied to
Yeah. Okay. So how's the sales going for the book? I mean, it's Christmas period. So I guess a lot of people uh, are now looking into getting the ideal Christmas gift for just a couple of days from Christmas. So at the moment, uh, it's uh, probably difficult to get it in home uh, on time. But I, 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 when I posted, I started talking about uh, having you in the show and having the book even uh, for October. October was when it was launched, right? October last? Yeah, mid-October. Yeah people already uh, started to become interested and said where can i buy it etc etc how is it going you're already going for a second uh, print or are you going uh... we've actually done three printings okay um, good. yeah we're, we're we're three printings in and and hoping that a, a fourth is coming soon we um i say we because this book was a whole team you know it was mm -hmm. yes it was my baby and it was my ideas but it took a whole team of people to to make it possible um I, I've honestly, I've been blown away by the, 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 the press that we have gotten, the interest that we have gotten around the book. Um, it's just been sort of overwhelming to see. And um, I'm really grateful that people mostly seem to be embracing it. There's always going to be a few haters, but, um, no, but you know, it's doing really well. Funny. At, at least they care about it because if they wouldn't care about it, they wouldn't even spend time uh, true, uh, true. putting the negative comments. I mean, out, I figured so. with the title there was going to be a few, but um, yeah. you know, hopefully you see beyond the irreverence to see that there is there is substance to because that's the thing that I think is really important is that yes, we need to make the barrier for entry to wine more accessible. We need to mm -hmm. democratize it, but in doing so, we shouldn't lose any of the the passion or the artistry or the soul of what wine is, you know, so sort of yep. figuring out how to walk that balance is always going to be a challenge. Yeah, good, good, good. Okay. So, uh, and maybe a uh, last topic um, about the new project you're working on, because it's yeah. something, uh, well, uh, for us, it's a little bit, uh, for us, I'm saying in Europe, it's a little bit mm -hmm. far away, obviously. We don't get all the uh, the news that uh, what you're working on. So maybe you can give us a little bit of a, a hint on, on how that's going, the restaurant project and hotel. Yeah, so um, I can only say that I am beyond fortunate to have um, been tapped to be the managing partner on a um, pretty large scale restaurant um, project in Montauk, which is part of the Hamptons, which also has a boutique hotel attached, but the really the main focus is the restaurant. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful place um, overlooking um, what's called Fort Pond, but Pond mm -hmm. is a bit misleading. It looks like a giant lake. Um, we're west facing, so we have these beautiful panoramic sunsets that sort of go the distance. Um, we are through all of the, the planning designing phases. We have, thankfully we have all of our approvals from the boards out here, which is not an easy process. Um, our challenge this year has been COVID. <laughs> Um, we uh, we unfortunately here in New York, we had a, a shutdown order, the, a stay at home order, um, not, you know, similar to what was happening in Europe. So mm -hmm. we weren't able to start in the spring. We decided to operate the space as it was for the summer and just do like a pop up that wasn't really related to the long term project, but just to, you know, have something in it for the summer. And we were fortunate to have a Michelin chef, uh, Matt Lambert, whose restaurant in the city was closed. Mm -hmm. um, that was done at the end of the season. And um we're kind of pretty sure there's another shutdown coming, um, yeah. <laughs> much like Europe. Fortunately, it looks so like it, we, yeah. uh, We're not starting yet because some of the, the work that we're doing is pretty extensive um, to the exterior. And um, no. Montauk is definitely extreme, extreme weather. We just had a huge snow and ice storm come through. So we have to be sure that um, there's no more 
stay at home orders coming before we actually start to to work on the building. But um, I'm remaining hopeful. Hopefully, um, you know, first part of 2021, we'll finally be able to to get started. So I'm itching. I'm ready. That's good to hear. Um, In the meanwhile, I'll uh, open up for questions. If anybody has any questions, uh, please uh, drop them uh, in the the box below. Um, But a question for you also for our next guest, obviously, uh, is uh, James. James Llewellyn. um, I don't know, maybe you saw him uh, that he's going to be on the show on the 8th of January. So we're going to have a short break, but he's going to be the next one. But James is also a diploma graduate, and um, he has uh, also quite a background, especially uh, uh, knowledge about tasting, wine tasting. And what he decided is that um, he wanted to help people also understand complexity of wine and wine study in particular. So he came up with this thing called Wine Maps, which is basically not a new thing because more people are doing it. But um, he tried to blend sort of infographics with sort of metro maps or subway maps just to make it very accessible on one or two sides of a piece of paper for Burgundy or for Bordeaux, just to make it uh, light reading and also uh, focus on the whole syllabus for WSAT. So WSAT 2, 3 uh, plus diploma course. So what would the question from you be for, um, for James about educating? maybe in a broader sense. I mean, you do teach as well. Uh, so maybe you have a question about what that. What if I have more of a request than a question? Oh, that could also be arranged, yeah. So I would love if, I would love to see, so like the same way that we see Burgundy really broken down, right? Barolo really broken down. There are some areas that really, in both the old and new world, that I just don't think that that same level of specificity and detail exists, right? Like. Mm-hmm. We should, I mean, Mendoza's huge, right? Yeah. Like, why don't we see like very like specific broken down? Like, I want to understand Mendoza, you know, it's like, it's like saying, or Rioja, right? Like, yes, yeah. of course, we've got the three subregions, but beyond the three subregions, like if you're just talking about La Rioja Alta, like just in there, there's so much to sort of break down and dig into. And you, you know, you go these places and you, you stand in these vineyards and you go, why isn't this on a map somewhere? Yeah, I can't and find so, it online. I have to why go isn't there this on a map? You know, so like everybody's got Bordeaux broken down. Everybody's got Burgundy yeah. broken down. Everybody's got Barolo broken down. Everybody's got Napa broken down. I would love to see someone start to break down the areas that um, are a part of the mainstream commercial wine, um, mm-hmm. you know, conversation, but don't necessarily get the same play visually. I would love that. Okay. So that's my request. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I'm sure to ask him because I think uh, he's he's done it now for uh, the whole French region and he's looking into other countries as well, I assume. Um, we even have a guest coming up who is making wine puzzles. Um, cool. So uh, this is even a nice story. And I know she's working on New World or the next project she's going to do is New World uh, wine countries. So it might be something for her as well. So I'll ask her the same question, but uh, happy to, uh, to do so. Um, I don't think there is any questions right okay. now from the audience. So I don't know if you have, a, let's say, a final closing note that you wanted to uh, to bring up. But if not, then I'll, uh, I wanted to thank you. Well, I guess I would say to everyone watching in Europe, I've gotten this question a number of times. And my publishers have already decided that this is what they want to do. Any country, I don't know, I think by country, it's a different number, so I can't Mm -hmm. say, but 
each country in Europe, if they hit a threshold of a certain number of copies sold, we're going to translate it into that language. And we're going to add a chapter that is just foods from that country. Okay. So, you know, the cheat foods, the happy foods, the traditional foods from that country. So, local, uh, local you know, if you really want to see that in, in your country with, you know, your foods, um, just get to, get enough people to, to get on board with it. Because I think that'd be pretty so cool. So you're monitoring, you're actually monitoring that to see, okay, yes. where does it pick up? And then you're going to follow up on... Uh, yeah, because yeah, uh, we've got two different distributors in the UK that are that are covering much of um, much of Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm actually very, I'm very excited to say that Big Macs in Burgundy is now for sale in Burgundy. There's several wine shops in Bone that have picked it up. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so we're monitoring it. And, um, you know, I'd love to see it in, in Dutch and in French and in Italian. So we'll see. Well, Dutch would be good, but I'm telling you, the market is not really big, so I don't know if you really want to do that. Uh, most people do uh, understand English pretty well, but I, I know for Italian, I mean, I even got the question for people, uh, is it available in, in Italy? And then the next question is, is it available in Italian? Italian? And of course, I think it's really a good idea that you also want to add, let's say, uh, uh, some additional local oh yeah you gotta it. have like, not, the not just do the translation you know what I mean? like we gotta make it relevant to the place yeah. that we're translating it for so that yeah. would be the hope very good okay so i had one at the end one question coming in i think we touched it also a little bit but maybe um uh, to come back to that uh, one last time how did the passion start i mean we talked about kentucky um but was there is aha moment or is it just something that gradually sucked you sucked you in uh, into the wine uh, I mean, I definitely had the aha moment when I worked at a winery in college of mm -hmm. just sort of going, wow, there's like a whole culture and a whole, you know, way of being and of life around this that I had never been exposed to growing up. And so certainly I was fascinated with it and I wanted to figure out if I could have a career in it. But mm -hmm. at the time, I didn't know enough to know what was possible. So, you know, I, that was the initial intrigue. But I think moving to New York, it was a gradual build of sort of saying yeah. like, okay, I can make a living doing this. So that was pretty cool. Okay. Um, and I saw someone ask, I have my Cheetos, what wine do I combine? <laughs> That's a new Sancerre. one. Yeah. Give it a go. You might be doubtful, but Sancerre, Sancerre Blanc to be specific and, uh, and Cheetos. Good. I think, uh, well, there's also some people uh, conversating uh, with each other in the chat. So uh, some people uh, asking pairing questions and others helping out. So I think that's a good thing. Love um, it. Got the, we've got some <laughs> the kind more of people at the table, on. the better. Yeah, very good. So I would like to thank you very much for the time, uh, and Vanessa, and uh, good luck with all the My new pleasure. stuff that you're working on. And I hope you uh, do sell a lot of copies so that we will see some local versions with especially uh, uh, very interesting uh, local ingredients or, or, or dishes that we want to learn about as well. And maybe a next book. I don't know if you even have a plan for that, but... <laughs> I haven't recovered, the, from, the I haven't recovered the from the first one yet, but who yeah. knows? <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Thank you for your time, Vanessa, and uh, have already a good weekend and uh, good luck with uh, the restaurant and all the other business uh, that you're doing. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit us on Instagram at Dutch underscore wine underscore apprentice check out our website www.dutchwineapprentice.com for the latest news and content. You can also subscribe to our newsletter through the contact section of our website.